I would recommend to anyone now that is, you know, graduating college or whatever, launch your personal brand, invest in yourself, you know, elevate your voice, whatever that may be with your unique perspective. It doesn't matter if you're a VP of sales or not, you know, you're going to have perspective and you're going to have value to add on different topics and just ultimately shine your light, raise your hand, you know, put yourself out there and you'll start building a larger network. You'll start attracting people and opportunities towards you. And all of those things just start building momentum over time. Hello and welcome to the Lewis and Kyle Show, an interview podcast where Lewis and I interview entrepreneurs, investors, and content creators. We've published 63 episodes, and today we have on Heather Monahan. Heather Monahan is a total badass. This is an extremely fun conversation, and I'm super excited for you to listen to it. Heather is a top 40 keynote speaker in the United States as of last year. She's faculty at Harvard, where she teaches a class about sales and sales management. She is a top 100 business podcast host with her podcast, Confidence Creator, which is also the name of her best-selling book, Confidence Creator, which documented her tales getting fired from corporate America despite pretty solid 20 year run as a chief revenue officer at a major radio radio company in 2017 she was named one of the top women in radio right before getting fired in a pretty ironic twist of events which we discuss in the course of this interview we discuss with heather her tips for building your self-confidence we discuss how she managed and was so successful in the transition from the corporate world to the world of personal branding and speaking and entrepreneurship and her advice for other young people considering those same career paths. Like I said, fun conversation, high energy. I'm excited for you to listen to it. Enjoy. Heather, welcome to the Lewis and Kyle show. We're extremely excited and grateful to you for doing this podcast with us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I want to start out by asking you kind of a very broad overview question. You've been doing the whole personal branding thing for about four years in the public scene. What would you describe as the purpose and mission of being like a public intellectual and sharing ideas? Like what is the effect you're trying to have on the world by sharing your ideas and thoughts with everyone? Well, the reason why I launched my personal brand four years ago was because I grew up poor and I didn't know very many women who made it to the C-suite. At the time, I was a chief revenue officer in media. And so I decided to launch my personal brand with the mission of letting others know that it doesn't matter if you're a man, a woman, what you look like or where you came from, you can make it to the C-suite and become as successful as you want. That's great. Now, we actually had a question about what it means to be a chief revenue officer, like the position you're in before that. It sounds fancy because it's in the C-suite, but what exactly does that position do? Something we're it's not a, the same with. thing as a, a vice president of sales of an organization. You're in charge of all revenue, all product offerings, all client acquisition strategies, You know, the in, in, entire sales organizations and operations. That's great. Thank you for clearing that up. So you get fired from this job. It's like July, 2017. And it seems like you, I was listening to the story in a few other podcasts. It's an incredibly fast transition from quitting the job and publicizing uh, the event to being this successful speaker and everything that you're doing now with the book and coaching business. Can you walk us through how you got started doing this entrepreneurial venture almost immediately after like a almost instantaneous transition? Well, I put a post up a couple of days after I got fired saying, I've just been fired. And if I've ever helped you, I want to hear from you. That post went viral and that landed me on the Elvis Duran show. And that was really the catalyst for me to write and self-publish my first book, Confidence Creator. 
Uh, and I did that really fast. I wrote that book in under five months. And when you self-publish, you can go to market as quickly as you like. So I got that book out in May of 2018. And that book went number one on the Amazon business biography chart. And it trumped Donald Trump for number one on business biography list. I took that screen capture and started marketing myself with that image of me trumping Trump for number one on the business biography list. And I had been speaking for 20 years in corporate America, so that was not new to me. However, I didn't understand that there was a speaker business. In the media world, they don't pay speakers. So once I, I was out pitching myself, trying to sell the books, I inevitably, someone offered me money for speaking. And that's when I pivoted my business and leaned into the speaker business, which really took off. I gave my TEDx talk. That got promoted to TED and translated into six different languages. And then I was named top 40 female keynote speaker of the year in 2020. And then the pandemic hit. And so I had to pivot my business again. And I moved towards consulting and executive coaching. And then Harvard reached out to me and brought me on board as faculty to teach professional selling and sales leadership, which I'm currently doing now. And now luckily the speaking business has picked back up. And actually last week I gave my first in-person speech in a year. That's amazing. I heard you mention that you're in the top 40 and for female keynote speakers in the country or whatever that is, but I heard you mention somewhere else that you have the goal of being in the top five. How do you plan to go from the top 40 to being the top five? Like, do you have, is it just a volume game? You try to give as many speeches as possible or how do you, because I know it gets increasingly more competitive as you approach the top. Well, you know, it really just depends. I saw a friend of mine just made a list. Um, she made number 10 in the country. It depends what list you're on. And, you know, mm. it depends who the person is that's writing. You know, I saw another one of my friends landed on a Forbes list and she happened to know the writer. So a lot of it just depends on your network and how visible you are. So if people know who you are and, you know, hear feedback or you're sharing testimonials based on what your clients say, you know, you're going to have a better opportunity to move up that ladder, but also, you know, getting the opportunity to speak in really marquee brands. Harvard is obviously one of them, but, you know, there's plenty of others, major companies that people are looking towards to say, oh, this person is, you know, check that box as well. And I know you had already like made it in terms of corporate America and the CRO position, but transitioning from um, that to this like new, you know, personal brand builder, like giant personality, what was that acceleration like from getting fired in 2017 to, you know, five months later, you've got a book coming out, I guess it was less than a year where you Trump Trump, like how does that impact your, your life? Well, I mean, it's, it's very uncertain when you've worked for a publicly traded company for 14 years and, you know, thought you had this guaranteed paycheck to then going to work for yourself, which is incredibly uncertain, you know, and you're building everything from the ground up. It's definitely, it's definitely not been easy and it's not for the faint of heart, right? So it, it's, it's a lot of work. I work even more now than I did when I was in corporate America and I worked a ton back then. So one thing I wanted to ask you on that same line of thinking is uh, from the outside, and obviously you've worked extremely hard for it, but it seems like it was a relatively quick path once you already had the success of behind you in the years of corporate experience to being successful as an entrepreneur. So having now been successful at it and having worked in the corporate world for so long, would you have taken the leap sooner or uh, knowing now what's truly involved in being successful as an entrepreneur? Yeah. If I knew what I know now, you know, 20 years ago, I would have never gone to work for someone else. Never. 
I would have only worked for myself. I mean, I would have, it's, it's uncanny how much more money I could have made just from the speaking business versus it's, you know, there's billions of dollars out there and just not only from the financial um, opportunities, but, you know, to invest in myself. Yeah. I would have definitely gone to work for myself. How would you have started out if you didn't have the existing credibility of being a C-suite executive? If you're well, a young person, the, the time was different, you know, back then I didn't have a personal brand because we didn't have social media back when I was younger. So, you know, I would recommend to anyone now that is, you know, graduating college or whatever, launch your personal brand, invest in yourself, you know, elevate your voice, whatever that may be with your unique perspective. It doesn't matter if you're a VP of sales or not, you know, you're going to have perspective and you're going to have value to add on different topics and just ultimately shine your light, raise your hand, you know, put yourself out there and you'll start building a larger network. You'll start attracting people and opportunities towards you. And all those things just start building momentum over time. So one thing you mentioned there is when you start putting yourself out there, uh, personal branding or really doing anything that qualifies as quote unquote, putting yourself out there, opportunities do often get presented to you, but you speak a lot about the importance of converting them right immediately. Could you like expand on what it means in the difference between someone says, oh, you know, one day if you ever need help, let me know versus if you hear that, you should act on it immediately and the difference to those two strategies. Yeah, I learned that when when I got fired, I put the post up that I had been fired. I mean, literally thousands of people were reaching out to me saying, hey, let me know if I can ever help. And it was that moment that I realized if I don't convert these opportunities right now, people are going to forget, you know, a week from now that, oh, poor Heather, she got fired. That really stinks. They felt bad in that moment when they reached out. And so I just knew, even if I asked for something small, I'm asking for something. So when someone asks, hey, I want to help you. I want to do something for you. Don't blow it off and say, oh, I'll get back to you if I have a need. No, capitalize on that opportunity then while someone's offering. It not only does it make them feel good because they wanted to help you, but it's going to give you something tangible. So for some people, I said, please leave a review and recommendation on my LinkedIn page. For some people, I said, hey, introduce me to blah, blah, blah. And when Froggy from the Elvis Duran show tweeted at me, how can I help? I said, get me on the show. And he mm -hmm. said, okay. Yeah, urgency is everything. And it's often overlooked as a, as a strategy. And like, that's something that I've been talking about a lot on here on our podcast is like the idea of constantly acting imperfectly and just like, you know, if I, I could always wait two weeks to send that email, but like then it's just a really different, a different equation. But how would you recommend someone starting out today without a personal brand go about building that personal brand? I know that I guess you, you need to know like the niche, but let's just say it's like, you know, a, a college student that knows a lot about sales. Like how, how would that student need to go about building a personal brand to be in the position to start their own business and, and live that life? You know, don't overthink it. That's the most important thing. The key to finding success with a personal brand is consistency and showing up every single day. So I see a lot of people that say, oh, you know, I want to launch a brand, but I'm going to wait and it's got to be perfect. That doesn't exist. I've revamped my brand three or four different times over the past four years. So it's constantly evolving and changing. And sometimes I make mistakes. Sometimes things go really well. But the, the key is to find success, you have to be consistent. It's only been really the past 
you know, maybe six months that I've consistently seen that I'm getting really great traction with my brand. And before it was highs and lows, you know, one minute, it seems great. Then it was really, you know, a struggle. And so it's taken four years to get to a place where I feel really comfortable that I know if I put a post up, I'm going to get a great response and I can convert business out of that. You know, so the key is just start showing up and start showing up now because, you know, for me, it took four years. I don't know how long it will take for you. I do have some clients I coach during the pandemic. They started seeing viral posts in the first three months that they launched their brand. So for everybody, it's a little bit different and you just never know. You use that right hashtag in some situation and, and it can take you, you know, to viral status overnight. So one question I have on that same line of thinking is a lot of people have this hesitancy to start their personal brand. It's some degree of imposter syndrome and it's some degree of maybe a mindset that this is a crowded space. So I'm sure you felt this way in some respect that, you know, there's a lot of people talking about confidence. How do you differentiate yourself? Like I like productivity, for example, but there's a million people on the internet talking about productivity. When you're trying to tackle and share perspective on this very core human topic that a lot of people have thoughts about, how do you feel like you've differentiated yourself or recommend someone do the same? to stand out from I don't else. I don't think about things like that like that wouldn't even cross my mind I just show up as me and I know that I have people that imitate me all the time I see posts that you know, have verbatim my copy on there right and people that take their image and I mean literally duplicate everything that I do and it doesn't phase me at all because they're not going to have the life experience that I have they're not going to have the stories that I have they're they're not living my life so they're, I just, I don't ever think to compare myself to, oh, this, you know, seems like there's a lot of people in this arena, but they're not me. So, you know, you're always going to bring your unique lens, your perspective, and it's going to be entirely different than anybody else. So as long as you show up as that real version of you, you have nothing to worry about. Yeah, I really like when you were talking about that on your podcast, where you were saying that you were um, like interviewing for a board seat. And you just came out as you, you held nothing back because if you do hold things back, like eventually your, your own identity will show up. Like, like you're going to get found out in the long run. And so it's better to be you from the very beginning. And that really stuck with me for sure. Yeah, that's, it's so true. And that is a lesson that took me years to learn back in corporate America. I did not always show up as myself because I was told not to. And I listened, I'd, I'd say, okay, you know, Heather, don't dress that way. Don't wear your hair down. Don't wear makeup. Don't, you know, whatever direction I would get, you're going to upset other people. Okay. And I would do it, but that wasn't the real me. It was a watered down version that people were telling me to be because I learned that, right. I learned, okay, hang on. They really didn't want me there. They were intimidated by me, whatever it was. So wherever I go now, I need to show up as the real version of me. And the board is such a great example of that going in as the only woman going in as the youngest person there you know many people myself included years ago might say oh i should really tiptoe in or you know not be brash or forceful or in your face but instead because i learned this in corporate america it's critical that i show up as the most real version of me from day one because and during the interview process specifically because if they don't know the real me and then I show up as the real me after, they're going to say, wait a minute, we didn't buy into this. This wasn't the person we interviewed. So, you know, it's, it's doing yourself a favor and the company a favor when you show up as the real you because you'll attract the right opportunities. So I showed up super bold, you know, super over the top during the interview process. 
and they love me and we hit it off. So it's not shocking now that last week or the week before I was at um, an in-person, we had an in-person board meeting and I was cracking jokes and being really tough on the team about things that I had very strong opinions on. And no one was surprised. And, you know, they were like, oh, there she goes, you know, but that's the right situation versus what I was doing before, which was showing up as a different version of me that was not really the real me. And that attracted the wrong people and wrong situations to me. And eventually I was fired because I wasn't the right fit for those people. So yeah, definitely show up as the real version of you. You'll attract the right people to towards you. And that's so analogous to the personal brand comment that you're making before. Because if you you have to put your, your authentic self out there in order to attract these opportunities that you're doing it for in the first place. When you're not authentic, you become a commodity and you're easily replaceable because there's all sorts of people pretending to be a certain way. Right. Yeah. And people sense it, right? I mean, there's this whole thing going on right now on Instagram with Rachel Hollis where she's getting attacked because people are saying she built her brand around being relatable. And then she did a video the other day saying she doesn't want to be relatable to people. So at the end of the day, trust is the epicenter of everything in business and personal branding, whatever. So whoever you are, and I don't, you know, I'm not attacking Rachel Halls, but if she really didn't want to be relatable, then why was she saying it before? Because she now she's lost trust with, you know, people in her community. So to me, I just think of, I can't keep in my mind, you know, notes of what I said four years ago. You know, I just have to, if I just show up as a real me and tell the truth, that that's the right answer for me versus people that are trying to, you know, oh, this message will work at this time or have PR companies tell you, no, say this. If you're constantly, you know, taking direction from other people and people are telling you what they think will work, you're going to end up tripping up at some point in time. I don't know if that's what happened with her or not, but I just know for me, I will always just show up as the real me. People can, people make suggestions all the time. Oh, I don't think you should, you know, wear this, or I don't think you should say this, or you shouldn't get involved on that topic. People say that a lot to me. I did a post about racism in the well, country like, and people, people like really thing, question, you know, doing that. It's like the thing that you talked about with Seth Godin about how you were writing your book and your, and your family was like, no, like we don't think this is a good idea. And it's like, well, you're not writing it for, for that person, you know? And exactly. Think, so my next question for you is, I know you speak a lot about, about self-confidence and I think that it's a really important topic and you're, you know, constantly being asked questions about it. So, you know, you usually go through like the top one, two and three, like best tips for someone, but what, what are like four five and six? What are some, some things that you've seen work that you don't often talk about? You know, leaving reminders for yourself is a really powerful way because people get busy during their day. They're, you know, the intention isn't there that, oh, I want to be my most confident people just, you know, the routine takes over. So it's really great to have, you know, a, a reminder on your phone that says, you know, showing up as my most confident, true self today, you know, that just gets you to refocus back on, oh, hang on. All right. I, I forgot about that. I got to show, you know what? I am going to raise my hand in this meeting. I'm going to challenge myself to push myself and take, you know, another step. Another thing that I've been doing during the pandemic is because I'm washing my hands so much is I use all of my I am statements when I wash my hands. So it actually makes me smile. It makes me look forward to washing my hands. I'll say, I am confident, I am powerful, I am successful, I am abundant. You know, whatever my I ams are that I'm working on that are important to me at that point in time. And that brings my focus and attention back to showing up as the best version of myself, you know, taking chances on myself. So 
the, these little tweaks that you can make during your day can really help you reconnect with your goal of being, you know, the most confident version of yourself. Mm -hmm. I really liked the, the concept of raising your hand and it made me think about like as a college student, you know, we're constantly in these classes in these zoom calls and there is a, it's like, it's another pandemic. I mean, it's an epidemic of people being unwilling to speak when there is so much, what's the word, like uh, serendipity to be had by just turning your camera on and asking one question to a professor who is always staring at black screens. And so I do that a lot. And out of it, I've get, gotten a lot of benefit. And I, I think that that's something that I would love to, you know, Lewis and I actually did a podcast yesterday and someone asked me, someone asked us the advice we would give to other college students. And I think I'd like to add that. It's like being willing to is your hand speak in a, in a zoom call or in classes, hopefully coming up, I think is like a superpower in today's world because people are just so unwilling to do it. Kyle, I completely agree with you, but more than just, you know, taking a chance and doing it, it's your duty and job. And I talk to people in business about this all the time. They'll say, I'm too intimidated to speak up in a meeting. So I'm sitting in a meeting virtual or otherwise, and I'm just, I have something to add, but I'm too intimidated. What if people think I'm stupid? What if people think I'm done? What if I'm wrong, right? People think like that. I see it the opposite way. If you're taking up a seat in my meeting or a seat in my class, you better raise your hand and contribute something, whether it be a question, a thought, or some piece of uh, value. If you're not, you don't warrant a seat there. And so I'd really challenge people to see that, you know, from a different perspective. Absolutely. I think that speaks not just to the power of, you know, being, or not just the importance of being like an engaged student, but just broadly speaking, the importance of asking for what you want in, in society. Like if you're in a classroom and you're there to learn, the teacher is paid to ensure that you have a productive learning experience. The college does a bad job if you finish without doing it. Uh, it's just asking for your needs. So I know that's something you've been very good at in your business career and has led to a lot of interesting opportunities, like getting yourself on Gary V's podcast just by asking him, what are your strategies for just asking? Because a lot of people have things that like they can come up with crazy ideas in their head, but they're afraid to get the question out because they're afraid they'll look stupid or they'll be come across as rude or all sorts of other irrational fears just for having an idea and wanting to see what happens if they ask it. Well, you know, first of all, it's not our job to decide for other people, right? We need to empower others to make decisions. The only way we do that is if we show up and ask. So if I didn't ask Gary Vee, I can't just, you know, say, oh, well, he's going to say no, or he's going to say yes. I have to ask him and frame it up in a way that's going to add value and make sense to him. So he would want to say yes. But I just had this experience this week. I teach a class at Harvard, as I mentioned, and I, I'm in charge. We have a social media division of the class, and I oversee that portion. So it's a separate meeting outside of our regular class. And one of the KPIs for the team was they needed to hit, I don't know, a thousand members in a, a LinkedIn, a Harvard LinkedIn um, group. And I set these KPIs with the team at the beginning of, of our, our class. And the other day we were on a call and, and someone said, oh, we still haven't hit that KPI. And I thought, oh, we haven't. They said, no, would you be willing to post? The student asked. And I said, sure, absolutely. Yeah, didn't even think about it. It never crossed my mind. I didn't think, oh my gosh, I can help these guys achieve their goal. I just am busy and I didn't think about it. So the minute she raised her hand and said, hey, could you help us? I said, yeah, of course I can. I put a post up and we blew right past the number. 
And someone on the group chat came back to me, a student and said, wow, thanks so much for doing that. I said, I would have done it on day one. I just didn't think of it. Why didn't someone ask me? And the woman came back to me and she said, I didn't want to upset you or overstep my position as a student to ask you to do that. And I said, how dare you decide on my behalf? No, you need to ask your question. And if I don't want to do it, I'm a big girl. I'll say, no, thanks and move on. So I think a lot of times people just overthink. It's not your place to decide if someone's going to say yes or no. Give them the chance to empower themselves and make their own decisions. That's really, really powerful. Yeah, I think really, that yeah. reframing will help a lot of people. Like it's not, it's presumptuous to assume I know what you think, right? It's like, how do I know? It's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And it just, it, that one example here, I was, ha I'm happy to help them. This is my job. I'm getting paid to help these students. And no one had asked me until this point. So it was really eye-opening for me. And, and I hope it's eye-opening for everyone else. Sometimes people just don't notice that they could actually be adding value, actually be helping you know, after Gary Vee, that's a great example. He didn't know me, so he wouldn't know to call me to ask me to go on a show. But after the show, he was so glad that I was there, right? After the show, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you came in, that we help people. And, you know, so give people that opportunity to do that next right thing by showing up and asking. I couldn't advice. say it any better myself. Uh, like, there's nothing, there's nothing to add there. I think, you know, uh, we've got our call to action for sure. But I wanted to ask you about just like soft skills in general and how someone can work on develop, developing them within themselves. I think that, you know, people really get caught up on the, the technical aspects, like the technical side of jobs and, and do not choose to develop soft skills within themselves. So how would you go about like telling somebody or advising somebody who wants to work on their soft skills? Give me a specific soft skill that That's you have in question. mind. That's a good, good point. I mean, yeah, I guess like the ability to just speak with anyone, like, you know, people are, are constantly afraid of, of messing up. And I, I take like that on myself. Talk? Yeah. Like, like small different. talk, you know, like when I'm walking past someone, I always like, will be like, what's up or hello or something like that. And a lot of people I think are afraid of doing that. And I think that applies really broadly to school, being a student, you know, zoom classes, like we were talking about and, and corporate America and everything else. Okay, so I'm going to give you a specific story. And this is telling stories is a really powerful way to connect with people, number one. Okay, so whenever you have the opportunity, if you have an analogy, use a story. It's going to stick. People will remember it and it pulls them into your life so they can get a better glimpse into who you are and, and know you better. So for me, the first thing I thought of when you're explaining that situation was when I went on the Steve Harvey show back in, I think it was 2019, everyone there that was going out on the show knew each other but me. It was like I was the one person that didn't fit in. I was the one person that had never been on the show before. I was the one person that wasn't high-fiving everyone. I didn't know anyone. I was like the new kid on the set. And th that can be intimidating, right? When everybody else is laughing and everybody else is on the inside joke and you're on the outside. So it was sort of like what you're saying. How do you break into there? How do you get that small talk going? One of the things that I have learned to do is to pay an honest compliment. That will break the ice in any situation. So Candy from the Atlanta Housewives was there, you know, millions of followers. She's huge. She has her own TV show. And she had this really bright, super bright sequence blue skirt on. And it was eye catching. And I just said, Candy, oh my gosh, that color is giving me life. I freaking love it. I love that you rock that out there. It's well done. And that was it. And she turned around and said, do you think it's too much? Are you serious? Do you like it? I said, I love it. No, I think it's great. 
and we started talking. And then once I started talking to her, then the next person started talking to me. Then Steve walked over and introduced himself. So it's like a, a domino effect, but it all starts with showing up and paying a genuine, genuine compliment. It just breaks the ice. I love that. And it reminds me of, of Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. It's like always just show up smiling and good things will happen. And, and being genuine and authentic, I think that those three things are a, a big theme in this conversation that we're having. But I think we're going to transition to our bonus round, which is like less thematic and more, I don't know, just random sort of questions. So my first one for you is about Miami. You know, tons of people are moving to Miami. Francis Suarez all over Twitter, blowing up the tech scene. What do you think about it? Is it good or bad for the future of Miami? I don't know how it's going to play out. I mean, right now you, you can't buy a home anywhere in Miami and they've just, the prices have gone through the roof. There's no inventory left. It's crazy. So that's been bizarre to see. It's almost like back to 05 when this marketplace was just exploding. So it's just bizarre. I don't know what's going to happen, right? I can't forecast. I see, I go to Soul Cycle, which is um, a spinning class on top of a roof every day. And the majority of people in my class right now are New Yorkers. It's never been like that. It's always been the majority of the people are Miami people and a few New Yorkers. Now it's almost all New Yorkers. And I hear them talking and a lot of them are like, I don't know, I heard it's getting better at home. Are we gonna go back, right? So there's this big mm. question mark. What faction of these people that moved down here moved down just for the pandemic and then are jetting back again? So I, I don't know how that's gonna play out yet. It, it's, we'll definitely know by summer, right? I mean, we're gonna, cause summer is the worst time in Miami. It is, if you have not lived here, oh my gosh, you don't want to come to Miami in the summer. So that may actually turn a lot of people off and they might, you know, pack their bags and be headed somewhere else. I think it will really depend on what happens with the pandemic and quarantine and, you know, Zoom schools and, and all these crazy situations. Well, Lewis and I are, are testing that theory because we're coming June 3rd to the 5th for the Bitcoin conference. So we'll be in Miami testing out how just how horrible summers are. Well, no, listen, you guys will have a blast. I mean, the, the good news is our governor has put like no restrictions. So you can go anywhere. You can do anything. We don't get locked down or shut down no matter what. So you guys will have a fun time. Just make sure you get your vaccines before you come down. <laughs> oh, interesting tip. That is something to do. Do you have one specific tip for something fun we should be doing in Miami specifically since we do have that coming trip? Oh my gosh. A restaurant, well, a reservations. bar. Yeah. Make reservations ahead of time. It's so busy out here. Again, I'm a local and getting a, you know, a good reservation at a restaurant right now is nearly impossible unless you call at least a week or two in advance. So I would definitely say Mila's is a great restaurant. You guys will love it. It's a younger crowd, but if you want to call ahead of time and book a reservation because it's impossible to get into. We're going to be in Vegas the week before. So while we're in Vegas, we'll call Mila's. And then, oh my gosh, Vegas. I don't know. I've heard rumors that Vegas didn't fare so well in the pandemic. So I'm interested to hear what you guys think. But I, but I heard that a lot of casinos were closing and that it, it's kind of not, in, not in a great, in a great way right now. Yeah. So I'm from Las Vegas originally. I'm in Tuscaloosa right now, finishing up school, but my family lives in Vegas and my dad's in the casino business. So a lot of properties just closed completely for periods of time. Like the Mirage had never closed its doors in like 30 years. And then for six months of last year, wasn't open literally at all to anyone except like people to flush toilets and like keep things from not busting from a building perspective. So I think a lot of the companies there that own multiple properties just like reduced everything to just their one flagship property and like kind of just aggregated employees there. But like the unemployment rate in Vegas was, I don't know if it was the highest in the entire country, but like Top 10, pretty sure. It was pretty, pretty rough for a while, for sure. I think it's bouncing back, though, because, I mean, 
I'm sure as you're saying about Miami, no one's not been like after the pandemic. Well, I guess fun was something I did before the pandemic. Like everyone wants to go have fun again and like return to an exciting life. So as soon as that's an option. My first in-person speaking engagement was a week ago and people are coming out of the woodworks. We're going to see people. Yeah, it truly is going to, you can already see it. Yeah, for sure. And I hope Vegas is able to enjoy that. I'm excited for it. My last question for you, I don't know if I just made the microphone blow up, but male fashion tips, you know, you're, you're all about glam. What do you like to see in a man's dress wardrobe? My gosh, it's interesting. Cause I don't, now that we're home so much more, I don't, you know, I'm not see, watching people strolling down the street as much as I used to. You know, I think with the pandemic that people became super casual, right? Myself included, you know, because if you're home, you're just going to wear workout clothes, jeans or a t-shirt or whatever. So that has had an impact on how you see people showing up. So if you really, you know, just putting a little extra effort in instead of, you know, when everybody else is sort of doing the sweatpants and and really low key, you know, why not step it up a little bit and, you know, put on um, a nice pair of jeans or just something to show that you, you care about yourself, you invest in yourself, you know, taking pride in yourself instead of just wearing that same, you know, basic Mm -hmm. uniform that everybody else is rocking. Mm -hmm. I think the shoes are essential too on Zoom, mentally speaking being barefoot versus having your shoes tied. I don't know. I'm barefoot right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. Speaking of barefoot, not really at all. One thing that you take a lot of pride in is being your workouts and your kind of home hobbyist athletic career. I'm curious if there's one kind of athletic skill or ability, whether it's like a marathon time or like a, a Peloton class, like you can do 10 miles in 10 minutes. You have like a crazy athletic skill that you're most proud to still have. Cause I know you take a lot of pride in being super consistent and serious about your fitness. No, I mean, running is my favorite thing, but I had thrown my back out a few years ago and I, I can't run at the speeds that I used to. So definitely the thing I lean into that I know I can't get injured on is the spinning because it's just super. So yeah, I, I would say that leading into spinning and, and really pushing myself doing these workouts on the rooftop is just, it's such a blast. It's so beautiful. And I, I you guys should do it when you come down here. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. I would do a soul cycle class on the rooftop. No hesitation. I'm down. Yeah, we'll do it. We're <laughs> if we can get on that week trial, we'll we'll spin with yeah. you. No, no problem. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Go for it, Kyle. I have just a brief question. What is health linked and why is it significant? It's not very brief, but I- I'm interested. Yeah, so that's the company that I'm on the board of directors for. I joined them in October. And so HealthLink was founded by a phenomenal female gynecologist, doctor out in Naples, Florida. He's created massive success across his entire career. He saw a major problem in medicine and specifically medicine for women, as that was the center of his business, is that, you know, for me, if I go to the, something happens to me today and I go to the doctor, when I get to the hospital, they don't have records of, you know, the last 46 years of my life and every time that I've been to the doctor. He thought to himself, wait a minute, we need to create a community. We have the technology where if Heather goes to the hospital, they just press a button and now they see every report, every test, every surgery, every anything about me so that they can be better informed to help me and take care of me. And so he really, you know, set out on this mission to have 
full information and empower me and, you know, individuals to have their own information. You know, his whole concept is basically, as long as you have a phone, you have technology with you, why can't you have all of your medical records, all of your medical information? Why can't, you know, that same device app, whatever it is, also be tracking your heart, tracking your sleep, tracking everything to better empower you to be in charge of your own health, no matter where you go or where you are. Sounds like an awesome mission. I know we're running up on our time here. So I wanted to ask you one last piece of question, one last question, one final piece of advice uh, for our audience. Obviously ourselves, we're close to graduating college or a year out. What would be your one piece of advice to someone in our situation about to graduate college, very interested in the whole entrepreneurial world, also realistic, want to be empowered, want to be confident. What's your parting message to someone in that situation? Lean all in, go all in. Don't wait. Don't wait for anyone to come grant you permission. Don't wait for anybody to do it for you. You know, be messy, make mistakes, move fast and break things. I wish I had done that and gone all in on me when I was your age, but you've got the opportunity to do it. Like there is no time like now. I had the founders of Betches on my show a few weeks ago. These women are young women are worth millions and millions of dollars now because they, right when they graduated, they had this crazy idea to start their own company. Everyone told them it was nuts. And they thought, you know, we have nothing to lose. Let's just try it. And now here they are. They have 43 million followers or, you know, they have this huge company that they've built in a very short window of time because they doubled down on themselves. So that would be my parting information is go all in on you. Move fast, break things, and don't don't underestimate the power of now. Heather, thank you very much for coming on. Where should we send people to find you and uh, your brand? You can find me at Heather Monahan. I'm on all social media. My website is heathermonahan.com. My podcast is Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. And that wraps up our conversation with Heather Monahan. That was really, really awesome. I've got three takeaways for you all. The first is the idea of the genuine compliment when you're walking into, you know, I think that everybody can relate to the idea of like having a group of people and you're on the outside and you want to be able to talk to all of them. And it's like, you just don't know what to do. So you stand there and your hands get cold. It's horrible. But the idea of just literally telling someone a genuine compliment and that being a way to to open people up and, and get inside of the group, I think is a, it's like obvious once you hear it, but it's a, it's a powerful heuristic to keep in your mind when you're going into these situations, especially as things start opening up. My second takeaway is authenticity. It's just really important to be your true self because if you're not, eventually you will be and people will be like, that's not what we signed up for. And then the third is just move fast, break things and don't don't underestimate the power of now. I know you just heard us say that because that was the last part of the interview, but I think that it's really powerful and it's sort of the way that I've been looking at, at life with this constant imperfect action aphorism. And yeah, it was a really cool interview and I'm appreciative to Heather for coming on. Thank you, Kyle. I have three takeaways. Uh, the first one is a really helpful mindset reframing for how to get over the fear of asking. You presume you know what the other person wants. You're like, why would I ask them? I know it's already know. How do you know what they want, right? Just, just ask. I want to continue to just ask. If I have like a crazy idea and want to go for it, just ask, right? Like people say no, they'll ignore you. And that's the other helpful heuristic there is like, what's the worst that could happen? And just reminding yourself of that frequently, it tends to be helpful. Second, Heather is very much not an overthinker. And I think that's been a tremendous advantage in her career. I think I have, I think I have, right? I'm a, I'm a total overthinker by nature. Those are things I should work on overcoming. I'm like, 
how do you differentiate yourself? She's like, I'm just myself. I'm like, how do you start? And she's like, you start. And I just, you just keep going and you show up every day. And that's really useful because overthinking, you're, you've put a lot of thought into it, but you're exactly where you started. So that's something to continue to work on and thinking about as well. Last takeaway here, convert on opportunities immediately. So many times people offer to help you out. And like you, if she waited six months after getting fired to like, hey, it's been six months that I post that post. Like you still want to help me out. People are going to be like, why haven't you figured yourself out yet? But in the day or the, the next day or in that very moment, like taking them up on their help, even in some small way, yeah, it'd be super helpful if you can endorse me on LinkedIn or whatever else. It keeps that relationship open and it gets the relationship started to actually benefit. So I'm going to keep that in mind as well. I think Heather has a lot of great actionable tips for being a more effective person in life and business. And I'm very grateful, as you said, Kyle, that we had her on the show. If you've listened this far, thank you so much for being here and being a listener of the Lewis and Kyle show. If you want to support us, I'm going to straight up ask you, leave a review on Apple iTunes. Helps us grow the show, helps our guests want to say yes. Cause like, damn, all these people love Lewis and Kyle. What am I doing not being on the show? The more of those we have, the more guests feel that way. The cooler people we bring on the show, the better interviews that we have. That's all I have to say for this episode. We have some awesome recent interviews if you haven't listened to those. And otherwise, we'll see you in a week with the next episode. Have a good one. Peace.